Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. Welcome to church. Good to be with you. Happy Sunday. We're in our series on joy, and I just want to Uh, give out a little bit of joy today. Um, We actually have this beautiful person on our staff. Her name is Joy. And uh, isn't that that fitting? Yeah. And she makes joy totes. And so we had a couple of them made up just for this series. They're right here. They, They say Philippians on the front, irresistible joy. And they are full of joy. All of our uh, stuff from the church here, CDs, T-shirts, mugs. And uh, just want to hand out a little bit of joy today. Does anybody need a little bit of joy? I mean, Pastor Chris, Lisa, can you guys come and help me? Uh, let's take one up to the balcony. Anybody, anybody want some joy today? Lisa, if you find somebody here, anybody at all, just wave to us, just smile at us. We want to, we want to bless you today. We just want to share the joy around today. God bless you. We love you, church family. The joy of the Lord is strength. If you look into the bottom of that bag, at the very bottom on the inside, you'll see that verse: "The joy of the Lord." is your strength, because we just know that that's where the strength comes from. Um, uh, Pastor Laura mentioned that we do um, have some tremendous need um, in our province. Many of you have been following the news, you know, it's been a very difficult time for many in our province. And uh, Pastor Adam this week was working um, out in the West Shore with homes that have been flooded and just connecting with some of the community that um, God has burdened his heart with. Uh, with some of our West Hills people. And um, also, um, we were connecting with one of our churches on the mainland that was doing a lot of really good relief work. And uh, so they were flying in supplies to Hope, uh, flew the pastors out, encouraged them, um, helped them kind of create a plan, flew them back into Hope, and then were airdropping supplies in to to our church, our POC church there in Hope, to help distribute to people in need. Um, And so we just said, hey, we want to be a part of what's going on. And so um, aid has gone into hope. It's gone into Kamloops and now turning our attention to merit. And I just want you to know that kingdom builders, because of your generosity, because you give in faith, we can respond to emergency needs like this. And so we gave $15,000 from kingdom builders to help with flood relief this week. Um, and I just want to say thank you to those of you that help us in Kingdom Builders because it's because of your generosity that we can get involved in a moment's notice when there's a need like that. So thank you so much uh, for, for uh, being a part of Kingdom Builders. We've been talking about joy. Pastor Adam gave us a great first message to this series talking about joy and suffering. And then last week we talked about the joy of unity that springs from humility And today I want to talk about joy as a safeguard for you. I want to read verse 1 of chapter 3. We're going to be looking at chapter 3 today. And I believe God wants to speak to our hearts and uh, teach us about a new way to have joy. And here's what it says in verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again And it is a safeguard for you. 
Paul spells it out really quickly right at the beginning that joy actually does something to protect you. Joy protects your life. Joy is a safeguard, but not just any joy. Paul begins to help us understand the, st- the secret to having an indestructible joy. We've been talking about irresistible joy, but today we're going to be looking at an indestructible joy, and that is that we rejoice in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord is an indestructible joy, and I'll tell you why. Because many things can bring me joy. But joy in the Lord is the only thing that is indestructible because I can lose things and I can lose people. But even in my very own life, in my own death, Christ will never be taken away from me. It's an indestructible joy. You can always have joy in the Lord. You can always rejoice in the Lord. Paul says, it's no trouble for me to write this to you again. And so that speaks to potentially him having written to them before about this. It also speaks to the theme of the book, that joy just keeps coming up. It's it's not hard. It is no trouble for me to say this again. In other words, repetition is important. Amen? I think sometimes we get stuck in passion for what is novel what is new, what is different. And I want you to know that when it comes to truth like this, novelty can be a fault. What we need is unchanging truth that's worth repeating. Amen? We rehearse it together, don't we? We rehearse the truth of God together. We rehearse the truth of Christ's resurrection together. We rehearse the truth that we have been saved by grace through faith. We rehearse that. And how many of you know it's good to do that? Amen? It's good to repeat that over and over again. It's good. And it's no trouble at all for Paul to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a safeguard for you. The repetition actually becomes a safeguard. You start practicing it. You practice it over and over again, the joy of the Lord. And so let's listen in now as Paul repeats truth to the Philippians to help them maintain this indestructible joy. That's what I want to talk to you about today. How do you do that? How do you maintain an indestructible joy? We know that it comes in the Lord, but how do we maintain that? We're going to look at the rest of this chapter and listen to uh, Paul as he teaches the Philippians. The first thing I would say to you, if you want to maintain an indestructible joy, is you have to redefine success. You have to redefine success. So Paul makes a really sharp turn here, okay? He's been talking about rejoicing in the Lord in verse 1. It's no problem. I'll say it again. It's a safeguard for you. And then he makes this really sharp right turn. So just hang on, because you could get a little bit of whiplash here, because he moves from this to this. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Did we just go to a horror movie all of a sudden? Like what happened? This was a sharp right turn. What just took place? Paul is saying, you've got joy in the Lord, and then you've got people who are trying to get joy a different way. Let me explain to you what's going on here. You need to understand there are people who have their own agendas in mind, and they're going to come to you. And that's what he's warning them against. He's saying, watch out for this. He uses really strong language here, almost jarring language. 
And then he goes on in verse 3 to say, For it is we who are the circumcision, who, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Okay. There's a lot here, friends. So just hang on with me for a minute. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh, circumcision. There's a lot going on here. So let me just help you, okay? Paul is talking about one particular concern. And that is that the religious Jews who followed Jewish practice known as in religion as Judaism were infiltrating the Christian church. And they were drawing them back to things that were about having, having a religion and having a relationship with God in a way that was other than what Paul was teaching. In fact, it was the Jews that would call the Christians dogs evildoers. Anywhere you find the word dog in the Bible, it's not a good thing. It's not the sweet little guy who sits on your lap, right? It's some sort of animal that eats garbage and is violent and potentially dangerous, okay? So Paul says, watching out for these guys. Listen, they're the ones that are saying this about me. That's what Paul's into here. They're the ones who've been calling me a dog. They've been calling me an evildoer, but I'm here to tell you that's not the case. Watch out for them. Because the only thing that they really want to do is they want to get you to be like them. And Paul is saying, if, if, if you will, circumcision, which was this sign in the Jewish world that you belonged to God, if circumcision is all that they offer, and that circumcision is only on the outside, the physical body, they're just mutilating themselves. That's what Paul's actually saying here. He says, but we have a different kind of circumcision. There's something going on in the heart. In fact, Paul, in another place, talks about circumcision of the heart, the cutting away of what is not necessary so that there can be a pure love for God in the heart. This is what Paul is referring to. He's saying, listen, we're actually the ones who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. The reason why he says that is because Jews had ultimate confidence in their flesh in circumcision, physical circumcision, but also in their religious practices, in the things that they did and didn't do, in the foods that they eat and didn't eat, in the, the way that they used their money and didn't use their money, all these outward things, all this doing stuff. And as a result, they felt that they were right. In fact, they felt that they were superior. The Jews placed total confidence in the flesh, but Paul taught something different. He's saying we're saved by grace alone, and that is the salvation of God that comes as a free gift to every person who calls on the name of Jesus. You cannot earn it. You can only humbly accept it. And, and, and Paul went on from there. Not only is that true, but this good truth is for every nation in the world, every person, not just for the Jews, but for everybody. This infuriated the Jewish religious people. So here's what we're learning from Paul. As a Christian, I'm called not to put any confidence in my doing. I, my confidence is not in what I do. My confidence is completely in what Jesus has done. Amen? That's my confidence. It's not in my flesh and my ability to do something well. Listen, we can get very, very clear on context here. I don't put any confidence in my talent, in my influence, in my platform. We can't put, talent, we can't put um, confidence in our physical beauty, our athletic prowess, our money, our accomplishments. 
And so then Paul goes on to explain his empty pursuit of what would be called success. We're redefining success. Paul's empty pursuit of success, let's pick up the next verse where he says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, talking about confidence in the flesh. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's so humble, hey? And then he goes on to kind of give us his pedigree, circumcised on the eighth day, which is exactly what a good Hebrew would do, of the people of Israel, in other words, he is Jewish, of the tribe of Benjamin. If you remember Paul's name, before he he was converted to Christianity, his name was Saul. He was named after the great first king of the nation of Israel who was of the tribe of Benjamin. He's, he's now talking about his pedigree. He's talking about the line that he comes from, all the greatness that belonged to him as someone from the tribe of Benjamin. And then he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning I'm not just Jewish, I speak Hebrew. I know Hebrew exactly. the top 6% of the religious elite. I was a part of that. And not only that, as far as zeal, I was persecuting the church. I was going after those Christians. As far as righteousness based on the law, in other words, all the external practices, faultless. Basically, what Paul is saying here is, I'm speaking as one who used to be an insider, but is now an outsider. I'm speaking from experience, that I worked hard on my talent, on my influence, on my platform, on my accomplishments. I had a pedigree that was top-notch, and I had success among the religious elite. You see, the truth is all of us pursue success on some level. We all do. All of us. You can pursue success. Basically, I could say to you, okay, fill in the blank. Success equals And you would put something there. You might put a number of things there. You might put lots of things there. It might be things like your money, your house, your car. For somebody, it might be your Instagram fame or your your perfect relationship or your academic achievements or your free time or your leisure or your hot holidays. But the real question is this. When your life ends, does that type of success actually matter? That's the question. Does it actually matter? You see, later in this chapter, Paul gives another tearful warning, like the one he just gave us. He says, for as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. What does it mean to be an enemy of the cross of Christ? I believe that it means to just simply refuse to offer your life to Jesus. It's as simple as pursuing your own definition of success, living without the cross as a reference point. And that's why Jesus said to his followers, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Luke chapter 9. Friends, we have to understand that there is a cross involved in following Jesus. There is a cross There is so much joy, so much benefit, so much blessing, but there is a cross. I spent some time away with the Lord this last year, special time, and one of my my times when I was journaling and praying and listening to God, I felt like God said to me very clearly, where did you think following me would lead? And I think about all the disciples of Jesus 
I think about all of them who with great joy gave their lives for Christ. Many of them sacrificed their lives in a way that few of us can fully understand. They were tortured and they were crucified. Peter, even upside down, they were banished. They were, they were run ragged and hiding. And, and yet all of this, all of this was because of their love for the cross of Jesus Christ. Where do you think following me will lead you, Andy? There will certainly be a cross. Certainly be a cross. Paul defines enemies of the cross this way. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now stay with me for a minute because I'm really feeling like the Lord is saying, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. All it takes to waste your life is to allow your mind to be set on earthly things, to live with self-interest, to pursue your appetites and avoid sacrifice. You see, Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy, about this. And he said to him, there are people who will live life with a form of godliness, but deny its power. And friends, I'm here to tell you that real success, a real definition of success is to fully embrace the power and the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's a definition of success we can all enjoy together. I'm talking about maintaining an indestructible joy. And so I first spoke of redefining success, but now I want to talk to you about the second thing because Paul keeps going here. The second thing that you can do to maintain indestructible joy is simply to long for more of Jesus. Long for more of Jesus. After Paul explains his empty pursuit of success, he continues, and here's what he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Can I walk you back through this for just a minute? Sometimes it's so familiar that we miss the point. I want you to see this. Maybe you've read this before. Maybe this is a part of, of some, some uh, piece of your spiritual history, but let me help you here. Whatever were gains to me, Paul's talking about his old way of viewing success, are a loss. I want you to understand, he goes on in verse 8, I consider everything. So you choose, you fill in the blank of success. I, I can tell you, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. All of a sudden, Paul looks around as he's dictating this letter or writing it himself. He grabs hold of the bars of his prison cell runs his hand along the stone wall. It's weathered. Chains between his legs. Standing there, considering the fact that he certainly has lost all things, but not the joy in the Lord. Because it can never be taken away. Everything else can go, and I don't even want it. It's all meaningless compared to knowing this rich, deep, knowledge of Jesus, experiencing Christ, whatever I've practiced, whatever I've learned, I don't care about it. I just want Jesus 
Paul goes on in the second half of this verse. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. It's useless to me. It's refuse. I don't even want it. And, and, and the goal for me to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own like I did at one time back in the day that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is his message. It's a free gift. Success is believing and longing for more of Jesus. My only path is the cross. I can't achieve my way to a real life, to an eternal life. And the reason why is whether it was Jewish practice or our own pursuit apart from Jesus, this pursuit is garbage when we compare it to the pursuit of Jesus. And the answer to that, the reason why that is the case is because it has no power to give me lasting joy. The only thing that gives me lasting joy is choosing the path of the cross. Faith in the completed work of Jesus, it actually saves me. Mystery of all mysteries, that is what saves me. I am saved because I believe in the completed work of Jesus on the cross. And I want to share with you what is, in my opinion, the most pivotal verse in the whole chapter. It's the verse I pray over my son. And I, I think about it, and it makes me feel emotional. Paul continues here, and in verse 10 he says, I want to know Christ. It wasn't something that he just said. It was something that he meant it was something that he felt so deeply inside of him. He says, yes, I want to know Christ, yes. To know the power of his resurrection, yes. We all say amen. And the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Don't you see it here? He's saying, I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. I want to know the work of the cross more than ever before. You can have everything else. None of it matters. The only thing that matters is knowing Jesus, to know him in a way that transforms my life, that takes me out of every circumstance, that means to me it doesn't matter where I live or what I do with my days. I am knowing Jesus and nothing can take that away from me. Now, there was one thing I could plead with you about. If there was one thing I could ask you to pursue in your life, it would be the knowing of Jesus, the knowing of Christ. But take everything that tries to set itself up against the knowledge of Christ and cast it down, the knowing of Christ. Because through Jesus' work on the cross, I can know the power and the reality of resurrection. I can know the joy of participating in his sufferings. I can die to the old life and that old definition of success and be free to know Christ more and more. And joy that's indestructible. You know, I, when I shared this, this passage with Zach and some of his friends at their grad this, this last year, I, I used a toonie. Nobody has any money anymore. I didn't even have a toonie. I had to go beg in the lobby for someone to give me a toonie so I could make this illustration. But your life is a lot like this toonie. 
is, you know, it's, it's pretty special, actually. The tunie is really quite a, a unique coin. But your life is a lot like it. And let me explain to you why. It's the highest value of coin that we have in regular circulation. It, 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 that's like your life. High, high value. Really valuable. It's also beautifully unique, isn't it? It's unique in a way that, that it, it, it has a polar bear on it, which speaks of the uniqueness of our nation, right? And, and on the backside, it has, it has the image of the queen. In other words, just like your life, it bears an image. You bear the image of your God. You're uniquely made, but you also carry his image. Just like this special little coin, it really does reflect your life. And finally, you can spin this however you want but you only get to spend it once and then it's gone. And friends, isn't that like your life? Isn't that just like your life? You get to live it once. You get to spend it once and you can spend it on whatever you like. But if you want real joy, if you want indestructible joy, if you want the pursuit that is forever and eternal, then pursue and spend yourself on knowing Christ and you will be forever rich and forever enjoy. The third thought I want to give you, just continuing with what Paul is saying here, is Paul says, you know, I want you to, I want you to long for more of Jesus. I want you to redefine success, but I also want you to see heaven as your prize. You see, this life goes somewhere, friends. Yes, we spend it and then it's gone, but it goes somewhere. It goes somewhere eternal. It goes somewhere beautiful. It goes somewhere fantastic. And I, I love the words of Paul here because they give me hope. And it just it fuels me with more joy to hear Paul say this. Not that I have already obtained all this. I'm so glad to know that even Paul didn't feel like he had got there yet or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want you to see that image so vividly. What Paul is saying is Christ has me. He has me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to return the grip of Christ in my life, and I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to hold on to him so tightly. Not that I've already obtained all this, but I'm going to hold on. I'm going to reach out to him. I'm going to grasp him as he has grasped me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but there is one thing that I do. And here's what it is, forgetting what's behind me. All that was good, for some of you, you just need to hear this part, all that was bad, every mistake, every mess up, every pain, every problem, every bad attitude, every season that you're ashamed of, we're gonna forget it all. What was to our, our success apart from Jesus and what was that which we are ashamed of? We're going to forget it all. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to strain. We're going to reach. With all that we can, we're going to reach for what's ahead. We're going to reach for Jesus. We're going to say, if there's something I'm going to pursue in my life, if there's something I'm going to reach for in my life, is there something that I'm going to give all of my attention and strength to? It's going to be straining toward Jesus and reaching for him. Friends, what else really matters? 
We all sat in our houses in the middle of a pandemic with nowhere to go and nobody, we're not allowed to see anybody. And you go, what does it all matter? What matters is Jesus. What matters is the pursuit of Christ. What matters is where he's calling you and what he's doing in your life. What matters is an indestructible joy that propels you toward a Jesus who loves you so much that he gave his very life for you and you get to know him. Let that blow your mind and, and, and cause you to yearn long and move toward him. Paul says the goal is that I, I, I press on. There is a goal, there is a prize. And the prize is that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So as long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm standing upright, as long as my heart is still beating, I'm gonna go after Jesus. There is nothing, there is nothing in this life that is worth more. There's no pursuit, there's no level of success, there's no place of satisfaction that can even compare to knowing Jesus. Let that pursuit capture you today, friend. Let that pursuit capture you. You see, right in the middle of this chapter, Paul offers us the joy in the journey. And here's what it says. All of us who are mature should take such a view on things. In other words, join me in my pursuit of knowing Jesus. Join me in it. And then he goes on to say, and, and if at some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. You see, a lot of times we deal with tensions in our lives. What we end up doing is we throw out the pursuit because the tension seems so real. I want to go after you, God, but I'm, I'm stuck pursuing this right now, or I'm busy with kids right now, or I'm, 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 I'm stuck in my career right now, or, 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 or I'm pained by life circumstances, or I'm afraid, or I have some sort of hang-up or phobia or problem in my life, and so we abort the pursuit of knowing Christ. Hang on to this verse because it's the mature one, even Paul, who says, I'm not there yet. I'm still trying to get there. And, and I, I just want you to go there too. Just want that too. And don't worry, God's got you. He's got you. He's gonna lead you there. He's gonna make it clear to you. Don't worry, just set your heart on him. Just set your life on Jesus today. I wanna pray with you. Because I just really believe that this indestructible joy is something that God wants to just breathe into your life today. That you'd actually feel captured by joy in the Lord. And you know, I just, 
just really believe that that's what God has for us this day. I felt like the Lord spoke to me. Today is a day when you can experience this joy. And today is a day where you can understand that knowing Christ is what life is truly all about. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for your resurrection power. I thank you that I am saved, that we are saved by faith through your grace. Lord, I thank you that you even in this very moment can capture us with passion to know you. Lord, I pray for that one that's bound up in, in an empty pursuit right now, feeling trapped in that empty pursuit, feeling as though there's no way out, hearing the lies of the enemy, feeling that there's no way to strain toward the goal of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name that you would break loose the bounds that hold this person. In Jesus' name, I, I pray for grace, Lord, to start today. And I just really believe the Holy Spirit is saying it's not too late. It's not too late, it's not too late, it's not too late, it's not too late. You need to hear that. It's not too late to start your journey with Jesus. It's not too late to start again. It's not too late to prioritize Christ. It's not too late to go after him. It's not too late to reach toward him. It's not too late to find your hope in him. It's not too late to want to know him. It's not too late to experience the power of resurrection. It's not too late. It's not too late. So Lord, we choose together in this house, all of us, to begin the journey of knowing Christ. And maybe there's someone here and you're making that decision for the very first time. Welcome, welcome to the journey and welcome to the family. So Jesus, capture us. I want to know you. I want to know you, Christ. I want to know you and sharing even to the point of your sufferings. I want to know you. Capture me, Lord, in Jesus' name.